0: hey guys welcome to the seventh episode of career conversations today i'm really excited to be joined by jeff johnston who founded the subscription finance business at wells fargo and is the chairman of the ffa i'm really excited to record the podcast with jeff if you haven't already checked out our other podcasts then they're live on the ffa's website um episode number six was with roshan chagan from aries um so go give that a listen
1: Welcome to the Fun Finance Association Next Gen Podcast Career Conversations. This podcast aims to highlight industry leaders, their career mistakes, lessons learned, and advice they have for the next gen group of the fun finance industry. Please welcome your host, Joel Bucket.
0: Jeff, great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Joel. This is fun.
0: No worries. Um, So the first thing I wanted to ask you was: we've obviously seen a lot of market volatility over the past year with potentially more to come. And I wanted to ask like what career advice would you have for more junior industry members um, in more volatile times? And how can junior industry members best position themselves to deal with market volatility or a potential recession scenario?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question and, and certainly a timely one you know i i don't want to say um you know use the adage never let a crisis go to waste um but but i do think it's important from you know an individual's career perspective to realize that that market volatility that you know stress the the periodic recession um is a completely normal part of the market cycle we we haven't really had you know had that happen too severely or too recently so i get uh that for a lot of individuals this is the first time of seeing something like this but you you can really you know make a name for yourself and show your value and your worth just the same in a down market as you can in, in a bull market and you know honestly i would even argue it's easier to you know show your value to learn There's, you know, when there's more stress going on, you actually get forced to dive in and to, you know, to learn some things about how the banking system or sector works that, you know, maybe is glossed over or not really thought about or paid attention. So candidly, I think when a deal goes bad, when the markets are choppy, when you have the opportunity to work in stress, don't just think about it as a completely bad scenario that is going to derail your career. Arguably, the most pivotal point in my career was working through the the GFC. in in 2007, I got moved into a structured product workout team. Spent all of 2008, 2009 unwinding our ABS CDO synthetic exposure, doing monoline litigation. And candidly, that is what really where I made a name for myself, where I was able to Get access to the C-suite to help the bank save a lot of money, not just uh, you know, not just make money. And really, that is what springboarded my career to the next step after that. So I would definitely tell people to you know keep your head up, find opportunities to help out, to figure out where you can show some value and do something a little bit different. And um, there's going to be a lot of learning opportunities out there, so take advantage of it.
0: Thanks. No, that's great advice. And um, just following on from that point, actually. Um, so obviously in 2010, you sort of set up the subscription finance business um, at Wells Fargo, which has since grown to be the market leading subscription finance business. Um, what were like some of the key challenges you faced in setting this up and what learnings did you take from this experience?
1: Yeah, geez. I mean, there, there's a lot of things that we learned throughout the process. I think the the big one of the big hurdles that we had at the beginning, and one of the things that I think we did did right in the, the formulation and kind of creation of that team was setting up a, a it as a centralized product group, realizing that you know this is a a specialty structured lending product. And it made sense to, to treat it that way and having, you know, within Wells Fargo, a very, very large institution, um, you know, in a lot of different places where people connect into the, you know, the private equity market or have clients, you know, who would need a subscription line of having one centralized business unit that were the, you know, the experts around the product to structure and to, to manage that risk. Um, getting all of the different areas to agree to that was um, was definitely a bit of a political challenge and took some time to to get everyone comfortable with that process and structure. So I think there was a lot of internal focus to you know to make sure that everyone was going to be comfortable with how we could handle their perceived clients. Um, and and then you know I think the big story was growth and you know there's not a whole lot of Product units that can sustain thirty to fifty percent annualized growth for a long period of time, and that obviously gets a lot of scrutiny both internally and you know with regulators and and others. And I think we just had a mentality that we had to be on top of everything. We couldn't make a mistake. That any little mistake could completely derail that growth opportunity in the business. And probably uh, you know looking back, I'm sure some of my my teammates would uh, would say we over engineered the process, but think we really put in a lot of you know systems and checks and balances and depth of underwriting that kind of made it a, a bulletproof case to to support why we should continue to get capital allocation and, and grow the business into the the size and scale it is today. I think if uh, you asked about the lessons learned, looking back, I would probably have rather gotten ahead a little bit on the hiring. I I think at times we, uh, you know, we probably stress the team a little bit too much with that consistent push for, for growth over that long. And I think looking back, I. Probably wish I would have forecasted a little bit better the, the growth rate that we were going to have and to get ahead of it from a hiring and personnel perspective. But I was fortunate to have a lot of really hardworking, good team that were able to, you know, to keep things going, even though we were probably a little undermanned at times.
0: And, and sticking to that topic, obviously, we can't talk about your new venture too much just yet but how much did setting up a business unit and a product at Wells Fargo prepare you for starting your own venture from scratch?
1: Well, it's definitely uh, helpful when you start from scratch that you're kind of forced to learn how everything works and connects together. Uh, And and I think when you you take a job and come into a existing functioning business, you tend to kind of focus on your day-to-day you know, maybe on the margin of where things can change or improve processes that are there, but you may not necessarily step back and see how it all fits together. So I I definitely think that there's some, some value add in having done that before. And candidly, it's kind of fun to sit back having that experience and to think about the needs of our clients, where the marketplace is, what were some of the best practices that we put together and how to start it all over again. And how to um sort of uh, take those lessons learned and you know hopefully not make some of the same same mistakes that we that we made previously. So it's um pretty fun to be able to start from scratch again. And think it's a whole lot easier to make real and material change when um when you're doing it from the get go. It's uh it's you know, as they say, it's pretty hard to to move a tanker very quickly or nimbly. Um I think we're we're hoping the being able to to build from scratch we can learn from some of the the lessons of the past and uh and set up something pretty cool and functioning for the future
0: yeah it's really exciting and i know that i and a lot of people in the industry are quite interested to see um see exactly what what shape that takes um the next the next thing i wanted to ask was like as the chairman of the ffa you obviously mix with and work alongside a, a host of successful senior people in our industry What would you say are the main personality traits and behaviors that they share that are instrumental to their success?
1: Well, I definitely agree that I am lucky in my position to you know get to spend so much time with so many high quality people across the industry, Um, and you know I I don't I don't know if there is necessarily a single thread that is that is obvious. Um, Everyone has their own their own skills and have have found success in a variety of different ways, but the most obvious to me uh, from a common thread standpoint is the self-motivation and the determination and hard work I mean, certainly the people that I tend to gravitate towards and think who have made a real, you know, name for themselves in the industry. And a lot of the people that put a lot of time and effort in, in the leadership of the FFA, they just know how to get things done and are focused and determined on seeing change and on executing so i think it, there's obviously a lot of type a and motivated people in banking and in finance and and certainly throughout our industry but i do see that commonality in some of the business leaders that maybe isn't obvious to everyone but these people are getting getting up in the mor- morning pretty early doing a whole lot staying up late at night working on the weekends and and kind of enjoy the the determined process and and don't really give up so i think that's self-motivation is uh is something that i tell my kids that's a a skill that uh, you control you control your ability and your effort and uh i think there's definitely that trait for a lot of successful people out there
0: yeah it's been quite a common theme um in sort of the, the previous podcast too that definitely that sort of self-motivation like self-starters are sort of like the ones that succeed um and i guess on that topic the the final question i wanted to ask today is how important have external stakeholders been to your success and how do you manage these relationships or do you have any tips um, for our next gen members in terms of networking and managing external relationships?
1: Yeah. So it's, I think having advocates, having mentors, having, you know, supporters, having good advisors in your, in your career and really in your life is usually advantageous. you know, aspect and instead <laughs> seems pretty basic of, uh, you know, do you want to try to go it alone or do you want to try to go, go with the team and, and lean on the experiences of, of others? I do think there's a natural tendency when people think about mentorship and I'll say different relationships where people are looking for, for career help and maybe focused here from a, You know, a next gen perspective. I'll kind of lean on the earlier in career, leaning towards people that are that are more experienced. That there's a lot of, how can you help me? How can you can you give me advice? What should I be doing? Can you make an introduction for me? Which makes a ton of sense and is obviously necessary. I, I think I tried to always think of ways with external stakeholders, with others in my life and career, of how could I help them. And that was definitely, you know, the mentality with my bosses, with my kind of senior mentors was always the focus of what can I do to make their life easier and to help them advance their career goals. And if I did a good job of helping them out with what they're focused on, it seemed pretty natural to me that they were going to look after and take care of me. So I tried to, you know, to pitch and to turn a lot of, relationships with with others into the you know what are their motivations, what are their objectives, and what are they trying to do and and how can I be helpful in that? You know, I don't want to say that was in a completely altruistic form and fashion. like there was a selfish motivation around that. It just it seemed like a different pathway or you know a more successful path than me just constantly asking, what can you do for me? Can you find me another job? I want to, what should I be doing about this? That, that some of that could come more naturally. And if you find good people in your career who you believe in, it's not necessarily a bad idea to try to hit your wagon to someone that you can just naturally learn off of and be part of their success is, you know, likely to be a, a good, a good path to to helping you be end up being successful and creating opportunities. So but a little bit of a different, you know, different angle of uh that type of relationship Joel and I think all the other things that people talk about and uh have would have been said on on this podcast probably, you know, all make good sense too, but I would I would maybe suggest to uh to some of your listeners and and colleagues to try to reverse the seat around a little bit and to, you know, to think about how, you know, you can be helpful individually to to other people in your career and you know, if you uh, the whole pay it forward thing, I think if you put a lot of uh, put a lot of good work and effort in, good things are going to end up coming back and helping helping you out too.
0: No thanks, yeah, I think that's great advice, and it's uh, really interesting to hear like a slightly unique take compared to what we've had on some of the other um, episodes to that question. Um, so thanks for that. Sadly, that is all we have time for, however. Um, but thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure talking to you.
1: Thanks, Joel. Thanks for having me. I appreciate all the work that, that you and, and others are doing and uh, and good luck in the future
0: and on, uh, on the next, next episode. Thanks very much. All right. Take care.